More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Dr. Alexander Kuberle-Schmidt, family business expert at PricewaterhouseCoopers Germany, helps entrepreneurial families from around the world navigate the complexities of communal investing. Success in the former does not necessarily translate to success in the latter, and designing a bespoke family office solution to meet the unique requirements of its stakeholders can prove challenging. We sat down with Alexander to learn more about family offices. Enjoy this conversation with Alexander. Defining the family business has been a struggle for academics and practitioners. Likewise, over over the last sort of like 30 years that this has been considered a field. I believe it's a similar kind of challenge when it comes to defining what a family office is. But why don't you give us your expert insight whether you've actually come to a conclusive definition? It's quite difficult uh, to define a family office because there are so many different types of family offices. However, I think there are three important aspects that define family office. And I think it's a self-contained organizational unit. That's the first aspect. And it's like um, a unit that belongs to one or several families. That's the second aspect. And uh, the third part is that this unit manages a large portfolio of complex assets. And those three parts somehow define a family office. We for sure have to distinguish between different types of family offices, but I think those three parts are in common of all family offices. And what is important about the portfolio and the complex assets is that this organization, this family office exists to manage the wealth by bundling those assets and streamlining services um, for a better long-term growth. I think that's an important goal of the family office. And there is another aspect that should be considered and families especially when they established their family office, they need to take care about that it is always free of conflicts of interest. Mm-hmm. We know how individual it is for family businesses, how they, so every family business feels like a fingerprint, right? Like we know that none of them are really alike. So they might have similarities in terms of their challenges and stuff like that, but how family businesses create wealth will vary greatly. And also, as you said, like, therefore, probably they're, sort of like um, what constitutes a conflict of interest for a family will also differ when then they start talking about the family office. So what have you seen, like, you know, what have been the discussions that you've had with your clients when it came to, you know, taking the values of what was like a family that was an operating family business and translating them into values that work for a family office? What is sort of like the, the most important transition that a family has to go through in terms of a discussion there? The most important aspect is especially when you sell your business and you decide as a family that you want to stay together. And I think that's the most important aspect, this discussion about do we want to invest together after we have sold our business or not? Mm -hmm. And this 
commitment question needs to be posed. And there can be then families who decide we want to stay together or out of 10 family members, previous owners of the business, nine decide we want to stay together. And one says, I don't want to be part. I would like to invest because I have a private equity background. I worked for a private equity fund for many, many years. And now I want to invest my own money. Mm -hmm. So this guy might then decide I'm not going to be part anymore of the family office structure. But the other nine, they then decide we want to stay together and invest together because it makes sense economically. The bigger the wealth, the better access you have to, to investments. So this depends on the decision about do we want to stay together as a family or mm. not? Mm. And that's a very important question. All families have to oppose themselves also when you still have a business and especially when it's a transition from one generation to the next generation. So then the next generation has to say, yes, I want to be part of the family business. But when the business is sold, you have to also pose this question. And let's talk a little bit about the structure. So like supposing the family agrees that, you know, staying together makes them stronger. It's a good idea to stay together, uh, maybe for even the foreseeable future. So maybe over one generation, they make that decision. So creating those structures, what does that exactly entail to create the structure of your, let's take maybe for, for simplicity's sake, the case of the single family office, just uh, mm. we can talk about multifamily offices a little later, but for the single family office, what are sort of like the building blocks of a sound structure for a family office? And should that structure be considered as dynamic over time? Is there a review moment where you say like, you know, it's a very important thing to review and to adapt over time? What is your view on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, when we state to the single family office in relation to the multifamily office, I think it's important to see who owns this family office. Is it a one person, one family, a very close single family? Or are those several families that are invested through this single family office? I think that's an important um, aspect. When it's like only a single, single family office, so um, working for one person or one family, it can be a very close structure. Mm. It can be a very um, focused structure on the principal who owns the business. Uh, when you are a family that consists of several family members, then you need to have a more elaborate structure for sure in terms of also governance. I think it's important to decide also um, what for kind of family office you want to have. Mm. Is it a own structure? So a legal entity you're going to form that is owned by the family members or is this family office embedded in your family business? Mm -hmm. then the structure of the family business has for sure an influence on the structure of the family office. Possibly the person is employed, so the family officer is employed in the business. Or the third part is like, is it a virtual structure? Mm -hmm. Especially also for those families who still have a family business and the wealth they have that is invested through the family office um, or through legal entities, I would say, 
is organized by a virtual family office by an employee who makes this 50% of his time. Mm -hmm. So there's like, those are the three possibilities of organizing a single family office in terms of getting it virtual, embedded, or an own structure. And I would say the bigger the family is, the bigger the wealth is, the more it should be an own structure. Mm -hmm. And it's then the big question, and it's like very interesting when you consult families who build up their family office. It's like founding an own company. Mm. And that's important when you start thinking about this. You need to build up a new company. Mm. And the focus is very, very different. A business is there to produce services and goods. Mm -hmm. A family office is there to invest money. Mm -hmm. And especially entrepreneurs who were perfect in producing products, selling those products on the market to customers, they might not be the best investment strategists. Mm -hmm. So those skill sets are not necessarily the same. That's what you're saying. Exactly. So it becomes a matter of talent again, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's important to recognize, especially as an entrepreneur. You have your, your old network from the business, from the industry you were in. But the network in the financial industry, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. And there you need to have the right access to new people, to investments. And another aspect is very interesting, what I heard from other family offices that are already there on the market. You can be very close as a family office. So mm -hmm. I don't talk much. But what family offices tell me that those that are open and discuss their issues with others and um, tell them, yes, we are there, they get better investment opportunities because mm -hmm. people know they are there and have a lot of money to invest. So they might be approached. If mm -hmm. you don't talk, you are not approached. Exactly. And what you want to achieve is great investments because there's so much money in the market. Mm -hmm. And um, you need to find those investments where you have a good return. Of course. And there it's like getting the right people that are managing your family office and then not being too closed. Mm -hmm. uh, open up, discuss your strategy with others, and then you might be approached and get best, better access. So very interesting what you were saying. So essentially ingredients, so you said like, you know, treating it like almost like a startup, like building a new business structure. Ingredients seem to be similar. Talent questions, networking questions, communication questions, same ingredients that lead us to a successful outcome in a business as well for the family office, but of course the, the purpose is entirely different. And yes. so my next question is like, we also know, for instance, when it comes to the performance of a business, we know what to look at. We know what are the factors that tell us that our business is doing well, or that even our family business is doing well, and what are the telltale signs that we're heading for trouble. When it comes to the family office, uh, Alex, can you tell us a little bit more about what you feel are the signs that like, you know, your current family office structure or setup is not working for you you know can you identify some like maybe factors where you're like okay these are moments where you start need to start having a new discussion or where you need to start getting more external help in order to get back on track what have you seen i would say 
one question is the size of the the money you can invest mm -hmm. and that's also a basic question when you start your family office because it's like it's always a question of costs and mm -hmm. return mm -hmm. when you have a size of um, money to invest or your portfolio is like in the lower two digit millions shouldn't mm -hmm. think about founding your own single family office structure because it might be too expensive for you and then better think about investing through a multifamily office. I would say with a cost burden of 0.6%, that results in a size of the family office when you say it's a very small condensed uh, size you need to have at least 70, 75 million euros to invest. Mm -hmm. And when you want to have a bigger and more elaborate structure with two family offices, two investment um, experts, then you have to have a minimum size of 200 million euros to invest. And I think that's important that families at the beginning decide or see how much do I have And what is the right structure? Mm -hmm. Normally, you say when you want to keep your wealth the same, you need to have at least 3% return mm -hmm. to cover tax, to cover inflation, to cover costs. So you need to have a return that is for sure higher. And when you grow your, your family office, in terms of size, then you have to think about how can we structure this new. Mm -hmm. Another aspect is where you have to think about, and that's your question, where you have to think about reorganizing your family office when you mm -hmm. decide we are going to invest into new asset classes. Mm -hmm. Many family offices are, um, the foundation is very often coming from real estate. Mm -hmm. Real estate and shares. Mm -hmm. So when you want to go into possibly direct investment in other companies, mm -hmm. then you have to rethink your family yeah. office, your structure, your people. On the family side, when your family grows, so you think about handing over your family office from one person to your siblings or the siblings hand it over to their cousins. You have to think about also organizing the family very similar to a family business, you have to then start thinking about all the family governance aspects, about communication, about information, about installing possibly an investment council, mm -hmm. installing a board of director or a supervisory board that monitors the family office uh, officer. So then you, you need to think about organizing the governance structure and organizing also the family on the other side. So you have the growth of the family on one side. The bigger the family gets, the more governance structures you also need for the family. And on the other side, the size of the family office and the structure mm -hmm. of your assets or of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. The broader your portfolio is, the more experts you need. Or you decide... For instance, if you want to invest in private equity or in very specialized assets, then you might decide for this part, I'm going to be part of a multifamily office mm -hmm. and they are going to invest this 50 million on your behalf. 
on your behalf because they are experts in this area. It's always a question about what is best to make by yourself or in which area do you invest and make the, the own decisions and where do you buy the services from others? And that needs to be adapted over time. And this year, of course, also in a very interesting uh, position to establish where we are at in terms of the ecosystem here, because I feel like in the ecosystem in terms of what kind of support is actually there today for family offices has rapidly evolved from, say, like 10 or 15 years ago when you also started your career. I think first I would love to ask the for talking more about like what resources are today available to family offices and how can they access them, but maybe more to the question that interested me a lot in your book which took a very multicultural sort of kind of a global approach to this subject. And it is very interesting because, of course, not only from the perspective of what makes family offices different in different parts of the world, but also because we all see that families of a certain size will have global investment behavior. So understanding how these things interact with each other is is supremely important to everyone today. So your book helps shed light on different formats that are taken on in these different parts of the world and and what kind of advice they should seek out. What would you say today do you see are the biggest differences in how family offices are being structured and created, say, between the Western and the Eastern sort of like um, parts of the world? And, And where do you see advantages and disadvantages for both these types of structures? I would say that family offices from the Eastern or possibly also Middle Eastern area, they have a family that is most of the time bigger than the family offices that are founded in the Western part. Mm. And that's for sure a challenge on the family governance side. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to consider this also when founding your, your family office. I see... Another aspect is that very often in Europe, a family office is then founded when the business is sold. Mm. In the Middle Eastern part, their companies are already more structured like a a family office somehow Mm because they are invested in so many different areas very Mm. often. And they have somehow a diverse holding structure Most of the time in the Western area, most family businesses are very focused in one or two industries. So that's a very different approach. And uh, not so many families are invested in very different industries Mm. where where they come from. So that's, I would say, in terms of differentiations about the Western and Eastern um, or Middle Eastern area, this is a common thing to all family offices, also in relation to family businesses. Also, family offices have to think about succession. Mm-hmm. However, succession is much more difficult in a family office than in a family business because there is one big difference. When you have a good family office structure, and a good family office reporting, you make click and you know how much you have. Mm-hmm. When you have a great um, reporting structure in your business, you know how much you make a year. But normally, then you can calculate mm-hmm. how much you have, but mm-hmm. you are not sure how much you have. Mm-hmm. And 
you are much more binded to your business because it's not normally not easy to just sell your shares. Mm -hmm. In a family office, you can sell your assets most of the time quite easily. Mm -hmm. So the in terms of succession is that you are, as a next generation, much more binded to the family business mm -hmm. than to a family office. Mm -hmm. And your self-interest is not so important or it's, it's like in the system, not as possible to execute than in a family office structure. Now, the question I asked you before asking you this question was with regards to how the ecosystem around that supports family offices today has changed. So not only has the number of family offices changed, we know it has increased or at least what we call officially call family offices. I do believe that there's some debate as to how many families have already in some capacity been operating this way for hundreds of years. But what yes. we officially call a family office, that number is increasing. So is the number of multifamily offices. For you, who's been interested in this topic for a very long time, even before it became, I would say, maybe trendy, <laughs> which, yes. which I would call it right now. That's the right word. <laughs> I know, right now, it's very trendy. Um, yes. So before it became trendy, and we'll probably stick with it as well after it's not trendy anymore. Um, I think it will be interesting for you to tell us a little bit more about, like, you know, what you think are the shifts in the ecosystem. What opportunities do families have today in terms of like getting the kind of help that they didn't have before? And when do you think it's a good time for families to start having that conversation with third parties and who they should ask? Yes. There are many, many advisors in the field that try to advise family offices, uh, for, for sure. And as a family, you need to really find the right advisor you want to have. And I think you need to have a multiple advisor approach mm -hmm. because... The family office is so diverse in the range of tasks they can offer. Mm. There are, I would say, several tasks. It's about wealth management. It's about financial bookkeeping and controlling. It's about legal tax and succession issues, um, ownership succession. It's about family governance. It's about philanthropy. It can be about convenience. So making bookings and organizing the family in terms of their private wealth. and. I would say you have to decide as a family, what do I want to do? What do we do by ourselves? And where do we use external service providers? Mm -hmm. Because possibly you don't need to make your own controlling system. You can buy it. Mm -hmm. Then you decide which service provider is the best one we are going to use. Or you say either we employ a legal counsel Or we say we have a legal firm that supports us when we have an issue. Mm -hmm. The same aspect about taxation. So one important aspect is of a family officer to know who is on the market, with whom can I work when there comes up an issue that is related to the family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you need to see three, four, five service providers. And possibly you have those three, four service providers in your database. Mm. And when an issue comes up, you decide who might be the best one in this area. Mm -hmm. So you need to have an overview about those who can support you. Or you say, 
this is so important. We do it by ourselves. We're going to search someone on the market that who is going to do this internally because we have um, it's uh, we have a lot of tasks to do in this area, or it's so uh, sensitive, so we don't want to work with someone outside. So I think it's important to have um, really an overview of consultants that are there on the market, and then decide as a family office who do I need for this particular issue because the family office in the terms of range of tasks is so diverse. Mm -hmm. So much good advice, uh, Alex. Thank you so much. I think anyone listening to this, wanting to establish a family office or running one will have to go back over their uh, structures and look at what you've just said. Thank you very much for this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.